You are now tuned in to the AddictedToSuccess.com podcast, where geniuses, entrepreneurs, and next-level game-changers share their juicy little secrets on achieving massive success. This is the advice you wish you heard years ago. Be prepared and take note as we expose the realness and the raw of what it takes to be successful on AddictedToSuccess.com. Alrighty, so Jack DeLosa. 28-year-old that's now at $25 million. 27. Um, 27, wow. Not even 28 yet. Yeah. No, not 28 yet. Wow, dude, that's incredible. I must commend you on your success so far. I mean, I know that finances aren't always a good way to measure success, but um, you know, I've seen also that you, you're out there impacting a lot of lives and, and helping so many uh, you know, young and hungry entrepreneurs to be able to achieve success as well in what they do. So, uh, yeah, man, must commend you on all your success. And it's great to have you here, man. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah, I always say, you know, when I, when I start a business, and the same is true for me today, that business for me was never about the stuff. You know, money is, is not even a secondary thing. It's, it's kind of a, uh, an afterthought, you know, second to just about everything else. So, you know, the rich list is a good win. It's a good milestone. And it's a great platform to be able to, to reach more people and reach higher level people, you know, in other countries and all of that. It's a bit of a ticket into a new world. Um, but yeah, it really just means that we have a, have a larger platform to now do more cool things. Congratulations. Thanks, man. And um, I see you're out there in the Bahamas at the moment. So what's that like? It's absolutely amazing. It's my second time here. Yep. And um, mate, it's like a, they say Vegas is like a playground for adults. I reckon this is the playground for adults. It's uh, got the water slides. It's got the bars. It's got the restaurants. It's got everything. It's amazing. Let's be honest, man. The uh, the water slides make it, right? <laughs> I didn't want to emphasize the water slides too much, but that's actually my favorite thing about being here is the water slide. Oh, me, and my, me and my partner, Lisa Messenger, we say we're just big kids, right? We spend hours a day on water slides. It's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And it's great that you're able to um, experience that freedom as well in your life instead of, um, you know, guys our age, because I'm the same age as you right now, you know, and like guys yeah. our age are, are really just you know, sitting at a computer desk or commuting to and from work in peak hour traffic right now. And it's just like, you're wasting your life, man. Like you're really yeah. li- living like small and not really living big. So totally. Yeah, no, yeah, that's great. That's right, man. I think, I think it's a choice, you know, whenever I, I think about, uh, you know, the freedom I have today relative to other people, I just think, you know, um, anybody has the ability to make the same choice that you and I did. You know, anybody has the ability and it takes, for me, it took me 10 years to get here, to get to a point where I had a profitable business and, and, and an exceptional management and leadership team, uh, a great board, a business that runs without itself, you know, all of these different things. It, it takes years and years and years of, of dedication and hard work, right? But, but it ultimately is a choice and it's a choice, is that what you want and are you then prepared to do the hard work in order to get there? Yeah, 100%. And... You know, you work with a lot of uh, people that are in the boat of just starting their business and they're just kind of struggling, I guess, in a way of like making sense of how to grow it um, and what, what's the right direction to go in. So what would your advice be for a lot of entrepreneurs that are starting out that have something that is good, but they, they're just struggling to kind of get it to the next level of uh, bringing some sort of income in or generating some uh, revenue? Yeah, there's a, there's a few things there. You know, the, the most so at the Entourage, which which is uh, you know my my business these days, we're business college in in Australia, we're Australia's largest educator of entrepreneurs. 
Um, and the biggest thing, and it's such a simple thing, is the time spent on sales and marketing revenue generating activities. You know, I reckon that early stage businesses should be spending 80% of their time on sales and marketing, should be spending 80% in terms of your role as the entrepreneur, 80% of your time should be spent on revenue generating activities. Whereas studies show that on average, uh, you know, in the States and Australia, the, the average uh, small business owner spends 11% of their time on sales and marketing. So, you, you know, I think fundamentally in the beginning, you need to have a very strong focus on bringing cash through the door. I think second to that is once that starts to happen and you start to develop a bit of income coming through the door, it then becomes about how do you start to slowly dilute yourself out of the day-to-day operations? You know, um, I'll give you thousands of examples, but but one would be, uh, you know, lady started our scalable and saleable program and she she ran a cupcake store and you know it was really tied to the cupcake store exceptional store you know relatively profitable still in the early days but she needed to be there sort of 12 to 14 hours a day and just by implementing systems and bringing on some great people slowly and um, starting to build in management and leadership structures into a business slowly able to dilute out where you know six months later she t- said to me that she was spending most of her time on research and development which in the cupcake business meant spending all their times eating cupcakes and drinking coffee at different cafes. So, you know, I think number one is bring the money through the door. Number two is um, make sure that you fundamentally have a goal to dilute yourself out of the day-to-day operations of the business. And just to, to qualify that for a second, that isn't so that you can take holidays in Bahamas. This is I don't often take holidays, right? <laughs> that is only so that you can enable people to do their jobs better than you could uh, and secondly, it frees you up to work on more meaningful things. So, you know, right now I'm, I'm working on a particular investment that we'll be making in a completely separate business. Um, I'm working on an acquisition that, that is relevant to our core education business. Um, we're going through a process of becoming accredited so that we start offering, you know, diplomas and stuff. Um, and I couldn't do that if I hadn't afforded myself that sort of freedom and diluted myself out of the operations of the business. Yeah, no, that's great advice, man. That's great advice. And you know, I was actually, uh, I was speaking to Grant Cardone um, last week and Grant Cardone, you know, he's super successful. He's made over a hundred million dollars and best-selling author and so on and so on. And we're talking about, you know, what was the difference between someone that made a million dollars and someone that made 10 million or 20 million or a hundred million. Basically, he was saying that what it was for him was that he got himself out of that self-employment bracket and moved into business and investment that's right right. to become an investor so like what would your advice be for uh, entrepreneurs that are um you know looking at going to that next level and and becoming an investor if they don't even have any kind of investment uh experience that's right and it's yeah you sort of hit the nail on the head you know if you look at the top one percent of entrepreneurs you know if you look at um uh, what's some examples? You know, Mark Boris in Australia is one example. Richard Branson on an international level is another example. If you look at the best of the best entrepreneurs, they don't view business fundamentally as a vehicle to generate cash flow. So most people go into business, they start a coffee shop, they think it's about making the coffee, selling a three dollar coffee, and you know, making a hundred, a couple hundred grand a year. Whereas the top one percent of entrepreneurs don't go into business to generate cash flow. They understand they have to generate cash flow, right? They understand that they have to turn a profit, have to have healthy cash flow. That's the lifeblood of the business. Without that, you're gone. However, they're more interested in playing a game of value, which is understanding that my business is an asset separate to me and um, my business has a value to it. And the value is going to be influenced by our rate of growth. It's going to be influenced by our relationship with our customers. It's going to be influenced by our brand. It's going to be influenced by the risk profile, our systems, our people, 
um, our distribution, all of that sort of stuff, our financials. Um, and I want to build a highly, you know, most top 1% of entrepreneurs think to themselves, I want to build a highly valuable business that runs without me. And if you can do that, then that's where you start seeing returns of, uh, you know, people with net worths of $20 million or $40 million or $100 million. And in terms of, you know, if, if you're always in the coffee shop making the coffee, handing the coffee out, you know, as a metaphor, it can be any business, whether it's consultancy or tech or IT or whatever it is. If you're always the person in the shop making the coffee, then your return is always limited to how much coffee you sell on that particular day. Whereas if you can dilute yourself out of a business, then you can start to generate returns by, you know, uh, selling an international license for your business into another country. And that deal might take a month, but it might be a highly lucrative deal. Um, you could do things like acquire other businesses using shares and maybe part cash uh, from your company. So the, the activities that you can employ and the activities and the strategies that you can implement when um, you kind of come out of that startup phase provided you're not required in the day-to-day -day of the business anymore um, is where the entrepreneurs that have high net worth, similar to the guy you just mentioned, that's how they do it and that's, 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 that's the kind of stuff that enables them to make that big money. So you're basically saying like, you know, go into your business with a goal that is a lot bigger than just I'm going to build my business, let's make a bit of money. It's like That's right. Build your business until you can get it to the point where it's like independent of you. Um and then you can use that as leverage or either use the money you're getting from that to then reinvest in bigger and better things and expanding out and so on and so on. That's, That's right. Great. Yeah, totally. Great advice, man. What would you say are some of the um the difficulties of achieving success? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a like look, there's a lot, right? But what in your experience, what do you think are some have been some of the difficulties in kind of like climbing the ladder of success? Yeah, man. Yeah, I, you know, I I think that this path that entrepreneurs choose is, you know, arguably one of the most difficult things you can choose to do in with with your life, right? Because you firstly you, you're acting off a vision that probably only you see. Um, you're probably operating, if you're in the States or in Australia, you're operating in a society that encourages mediocrity. Um, you're coming up against disapproval indirectly or directly from family and friends. You think you're going to be wildly successful month one or year one and you don't you know, often be, make any money. You, know, you don't stop losing money usually for the first three years. Um, and so there's this whole self-confidence thing that gets, that gets shaken and this whole self-worth thing that gets shaken and this whole kind of everybody else doesn't get it thing going on while trying to build the business and getting no's from potential clients or potential customers while hiring people and then they leave again. You know, there's, there's all of these challenges that you just don't anticipate because you know, you can, it's impossible to have the foresight really prior to, to actually doing it. So... I think it really is challenging. I know that you had Gary Vee on this show and I love what Gary says. He says, you know, I think people are confused about entrepreneurship. Like people think it's fun and, and it is, right? We, it, it's fun but it's freaking challenging and it's only fun if you are the kind of crazy per, per person, which we are, um, that enjoys the challenge and that thrives on the challenge and that steps up during the challenge. Um, but man, there are a lot of difficulties. you just got to learn to... Firstly, you've got to learn to be comfortable being outside your comfort zone. Uh, and secondly, you've got to understand that the, the path is inevitably challenging. So don't get down on yourself when you know, it's slower and harder than you, you would have originally hoped. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. What would have been one of the toughest decisions you've had to make 
you know, in the past few years, as your business has grown, like areas that you might have had to cut off or things you'd have to sacrifice or like what have you, what kind of obstacles have you, have you faced? Good question. Obstacles that I've faced. Um, it's probably a hard one to answer and only because I often view the hard decisions just in a, as an inevitable stepping stone to wherever it is that we're going at that particular point in time. Um, so, you know, I made an acquisition a few years ago running as a separate brand. Uh, after running as a separate brand for probably about two years, we decided to integrate it into the entourage. Um, so that that was a big decision, but it, it probably wasn't a hard decision necessarily. I, I'd battle to think of any, you know, major obstacles other than the inevitable day-to-day, you know, macro decision-making required when you're running a multi-million dollar business and it's in several territories and you've got great people and sometimes they choose to leave and sometimes you need to transition people. Just the just all of the inevitable uh, stuff that goes on. But fortunately, you know, the last few years have been, you know, every, every year in business is challenging and it always will be regardless of what level you're at. Um, but yeah, there hasn't been one obstacle in particular. Yeah. Have you ever felt like there's a point where you um probably in the earlier days where you were like stuff this man I might just like I'm I'm gonna go back to a nine to five Have you ever felt like that or kind of throwing the towel in ever? It's it's funny you mention that man because in the uh, you know I didn't stop I didn't stop losing money for probably three years I I didn't start making any level of decent money for probably five or six years right so I never had a high degree of talent in business but during those first five years I you know. I, Looking back, um, it, it kind of—I feel like I, I sort of walked through hell and back, right? Because it's just so incredibly difficult, and and you get into debt. And three days prior to me starting my first business at the age of eighteen, my my older brother passed away as a result of drug use. He was three years older than me. You know, there's just a whole that that whole period was just not not a not a happy one for me. Um, and so to answer your question, yeah, every, every day, every day, I think to myself, man, like. Is is this worth it? What am I doing? Am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Um, you know, all of that sort of stuff. But then, which is why I smiled when you asked the question, I thought to myself, well, if I don't do this, I'm going to have to go get a job. And that's that's when my mind would switch on. And, and, and that was never an option for me. I, I couldn't go and get a job. So it's like, all right, well, I'm stuck with this path. I've just got to make it work. <laughs> hence, hence why I probably stuck with it for five years, you know, failing forward. Um Thought about quitting every day, but every time I thought of going to get a job and working with somebody else, that pulled me back into line. Fortunately, yeah, yeah no, that's great. Mm. <laughs> that's good. Good that you have, man. I mean, you've shown that you've, uh, you know, achieved tremendous success, and you, I'm sure you've got like a long way to go to to really hit that high end. So, this is a deep question, man. This is like hypothetically speaking, if you mm. were to die in three days, what mm. would you need to do or either become to to die complete? Yeah, man. I was actually thinking about this the other day because of you know my partner and I we are uh, we're going to Necker Island with with Richard Branson in three days' time. So if I died, I would get there, which would be a bit of a pain in the ass. Um, but uh, hence why you know we spent a week in LA, now spending a week here, and then we'll spend a week on Necker, um, which will be awesome. Um, but you know when you're on holidays, you have time to think. And I actually thought about that question either today or yesterday. And I wouldn't need to do anything else. You know, I've 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 just got um, the most amazing group of friends. I've got the most amazing partner in Lisa. Uh, I've got uh, an incredible family. Um, I'm really happy with 
with where you know all of the different businesses I'm involved in are at, and and the people that are at an executive level and a management level that that are sort of um, operating those businesses on a day to day basis. Um, so, I, I you know having said that, don't don't take that to mean that I'm complacent. I'm I'm less complacent than I've ever been. You know, I think you know the rich list coming out this Friday with with my name in it. Um, for me, that just gets me a seat at the table. That's just like, okay, game on now. Now I can actually start. Um, so I've got uh, incredibly wild visions and, you know, in terms of where I am today and where we are today is a drop in the ocean to where I want to be five or ten years from now. So I'm not complacent by any means, but I am very grateful and very appreciative of everything that life's thrown at me so far. Yeah, life is kind of like video games, right? You know, you get one level, then you go to the next level and the next level. It's just, <laughs> you keep leveling up, man. <laughs> I love it. So Richard Branson, man, I know that you, you um, partnered with him to work on, was it like an entrepreneur um, workshop or, uh, or a system that you created out there in uh, South Africa? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, di- I didn't necessarily partner with him, but a friend of mine, a guy called Quill Price, who uh, yeah, built his business from, from nothing and sold it for $109 million dollars. Uh, Creel and I were invited out to, to Johannesburg in South Africa back in 2010 to um, design the curriculum that they would use in the Branson School of Entrepreneurship. So we went out there for 10 days and met with all the mentors and the students and Richard and um, did all that and then came back here, sorry, came back to Australia and um, spent about six months developing the curriculum which, which they used over there. So, um, you know, an incredible experience and one that I still look back uh on fondly today um and yeah it'd be good to be good to see richard again in a few days time great great so what advice have you received from richard like have you when you first met him did you get a chance to ask him any questions about you know you building your business or taking it to the next level it's interesting mate the main thing that i took from richard was not something that he said to me but was something that he said to one of the students uh, each of the students at the Branton Centre of Entrepreneurship had set up stalls. You know, he was going to visit the school and, and go around and, and, and sort of chat to them one by one and they'd talk to him about their business for a couple of minutes and all of that sort of stuff. And uh, one of the girls there who's just an absolute superstar um, handed Richard her magazine and I'm trying to remember the name of the magazine. It's not Student Magazine because that was his magazine. Can't remember. Anyway, she hands him the magazine. And he was looking through it and he said, oh, you know, you've got some really good advertisers in here. What are you doing to get more advertisers? And she said, oh, you know, we're just speaking to different brands. And he said, sometimes it's good um, to go to really big brands and give them a page for free of advertising so that you can go to other brands and sell them pages based on the fact that these bigger brands are advertising with you. And such a simple thing, right? But that was the point. It's such a simple micro detailed, you know, give away a page to get to help sell it at, you know, another big brand, some some advertisement in your magazine. And that's what I think he does really, really well. He, he, regardless of uh, the extent of his success today and regardless of, you know, uh, what at such a high level that he operates at, he is still kept in touch with the micro strategies and the detail and the sim- simple things and the basics that enable a great business to start and become profitable. You know, a lot of high-level dudes, you know, if you, if you looked at a, a Trump or a Mark Boris in Australia or, you know, you look at most billionaires, they, they, they wouldn't necessarily still have the cognitive access to, to, to give you strategies that granular. 
whereas he does. And that's indicative of his whole approach to business. So that was probably the main thing. Yeah. It's funny. It's kind of like hunting for elephants instead of hunting for rabbits. You know, going for the big things instead of trying those little things that are slowly going to get you there. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Exactly right. And, um, you know, I, I worked with a guy who, who uh, worked at Branson for, for a number of years back in the 90s, I think it was. And he said the same thing. And you know, I said to him, what, what differentiates Richard from everybody else? And he said, uh, Richard knows if he's going to start an airline, relative to most billionaires who'd start an airline and they'd think about the balance sheet and they'd think about the capital required and they'd think about the management team and, you know, should we get some smart money on board and are we going to exit in six years? He said, Richard starts an airline and he thinks to himself, what is the customer going to feel when they walk onto the airplane? And it's a completely different starting point to most people who operate at that level. Yeah, because at the end of the day, I mean, the customers are, are who are going to be paying and referring. And that's, that's, what, right. you, that's what you're looking for, right? The that's sales right. and the, the repeat uh, customers. That's right. Great, exactly. Man. Great. Yeah. So you coach a lot of uh, young and aspiring entrepreneurs throughout your career of you know speaking on stage and coaching and leading these uh, these entrepreneurs. What has been one of the biggest realizations while you've been up there coaching people or having even questions thrown at you about um, business and entrepreneurship? Like, what's one of the biggest things that you've learned from your students? Um. In Oprah's last ever episode, she said something really profound. She said, I've interviewed everybody from presidents to people that are in jail to murderers and everybody in between. And she said, the number one thing that I've found consistent between every person I've ever spoken to is that voice that's inside your head which tells you you're not good enough and which tells you you're not ready and which tells you you're not experienced enough or smart enough or fast enough or good-looking enough or funny enough or skinny enough or big enough or whatever it is, right? That voice inside your head that tells you you're not good enough and you're not ready never goes away. And she's America's, I think she's America's first self-made female billionaire. It's either her or Martha Stewart, maybe, you know, but she, if Martha was first, Oprah was second, doesn't matter. You know, um, and I think that's been the most profound lesson for me is that every single person on the planet uh, has that voice telling them that they're not good enough. Doesn't matter how successful they are, uh, they still have sleepless nights. Doesn't matter how big they've gotten, they've still got uh, some nervousness and some insecurities and the same vulnerabilities that everybody else does. Whether you're Richard Branson, Oprah Winfrey, Jack Delosa, or you know Joel Brown, it's, it's the same for everyone, right? So I think when you recognise that and you recognise that that voice is never going to go away, and you just got to act in spite of it. Um, that's probably the most empowering thing that I've uh, picked up to date and, and, and probably the most empowering thing that I can pass on. Yeah, you make a good point there. Um, at Addicted to Success, we have a name for that, man. They're actually called ants. So annoying, Is that right? annoying negative thoughts, right? There you go. You gotta get you gotta get good at squashing them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like it, bro. Ants. Yeah. Either squashing them or, you know, like turning that noise down in the back of your head, man, because it's always gonna be there. And there's actually, um, I was in a course recently and this coach was saying, he's like, give that, that little um, annoying uh, noise in the back of your head, give it a name, like name yeah. it and start telling yeah. it to, to piss off. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Yeah, there's a really good book called um, Do the Work. It's super short. Uh, it's by a guy called Stephen Pressfield. I just listened to it. It's 90 minutes on an audio book. Um, and he calls it resistance. You know, he says, and, and resistance never goes away. Um, so... Yeah, I, I agree. Give it a name, familiarize yourself with it, shine a light on it, and it becomes a lot less scary. Yep. Yeah, no, that's great, man. Great point. 
So your book, Unprofessional, I um I love it, man. I've read probably three quarters of it, and cool, what I love about it is that, you know, you're not afraid to say, "Look, man, I I didn't go to you know I didn't finish university." You just winged it, man. You went out there and you just did it on a whim and you made it happen. And um, I think there's a lot of people out there that have this thing where they feel like they have to be um, highly credible or they need to have some sort of a degree or or something like that to be able to actually go out and, and start. So um, congratulations on your, on your book, man. And, and, you know, fill us in on what we can expect from this book and, and also how it came about as well. How did this book come about? Yeah, totally. Well, yeah, the book's called Unprofessional, um, and it's you know I'm I'm of the I'm of the view that the business world has completely and utterly changed from where it was ten years ago, maybe even where it was five years ago. It's changed in every single way: how you start a business, how you build a business, how you get product to market fit, how you get message to market fit, um, how you market and speak and reach consumers, how you build sales model within your business so that you know you can make sales on a replicable basis, uh, online strategies management and leadership of people and build of culture within your business, uh, even how we raise money from investors and sell businesses is different to how it was five or ten years ago, right? So uh, what I was finding was that a lot of the um, uh, education, I suppose, out there around how to start and build businesses just matter-of-factly, purely and simply was not relevant or helpful to anybody looking to start or build a business. So what I wanted to do was kind of go, okay, well, the, the old rule book no longer applies. Let's write a new rule book. Um, and, you know, rule number one is there are no rules. Um, but let's give people some models and some strategies to follow to as to how to build and start a multimillion-dollar company in 2014. Um, and, yeah, man, it was super cool. When It was a bestseller within three weeks of launching it. So, um I was nervous prior to coming out because I wasn't, you know, it's my first book, so I wasn't sure whether anyone was going to read it. Um, turned out a few people did, so it's good stuff. Yeah, wonderful, man. Congratulations. And what I love about the book as well is uh, it's not a hard book to read. Uh, it's not full of a lot of this, like, fancy technical talk and fluff that a lot of these other totally. books have. Yeah. Um, it's kind of straight to the point. It's like, look, this is what I did. You use a lot of your examples, and also you even have, like, pictures of... Uh, like even like a press release, like an example of a press yeah. release that people can yeah. use, stories of like what happened when you tried it. I mean, you know, it's like, it's kind of like the um the dummies guide, except it's like it's it's elegant, and um and it's got a lot more swagger, man. So uh, yeah. <laughs> congratulations on pulling that <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's funny, man. I I, uh, I I often think about that because I often think about simplicity, right? Because simplicity is something that I fight for, um and and i think of because sometimes you find simple and simple is just crap and sometimes you find simple and simple is profound and i think it's i think it's finding simplicity from somebody who's gone through layers of complexity so you've got simple because i don't know any better and then you've got i now know it all and it's still all really complex and then some people are able to to go into a field and get all of the complexities and get all of the detail and get a birds eye view of it and if they've done that and can then simplify it and they've found simplicity on the other side of complexity, um, that's when it starts to become game-changing and really profound. So hopefully um, the simplicity and unprofessional is just me finding simplicity on the other side of complexity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. <laughs> awesome. So the last question that we want to kind of end this with is, uh, you know, if you were to have kids, right, 
and your kids mm. are growing up and they're ready to kind of take the entrepreneurship route, like what advice in the future would you give those kids that are growing up? What advice would I give my kids? Yes. Mm. I'd say don't try and do it the way I did it, right? Because if they're my kids, they're, trying to go, they're, they're going to look at mum and dad and they're going to go, I want to emulate that. And I think that the biggest mistake we can make in entrepreneurship is trying to replicate somebody else's path. Um, uh, you know, something like Unprofessional has a bunch of models and a bunch of strategies. You can find models and strategies from anybody and employ them. Um, you know, employ those strategies. I mean, implement those strategies. Um, but you have to do it in your own way with your own style. If there's one thing I've found that all successful people do the same is that they've all done it different. And they've all done it different according to what works for them. They've found their own style. They've found their own voice. They've found their own values. They know how they roll. They know what excites them. They know what lights them up. Um, so if you try to go into business being Branson or you try to go into business being Oprah, uh, you're gonna, you know, it's going to be relatively challenging. If you go into business drawing inspiration from and go into business drawing insight from the Bransons and the Oprahs and then put it through your own filters and go, how can you make that your own and how can you then implement that in your way? Um, you know, that, that, that's, you know, that took me 20 seconds to say, but that's a really important distinction in that draw inspiration from people with being there, done that experience, draw insight from people with being there, done that experience, put that through your own filters and apply it in your own way. And, you know, that to me is probably the fundamental principle for becoming a successful entrepreneur. Yeah, oh, great, great. So basically, yeah. uh, strive to be fascinating and different. That's right. Yeah, yeah, totally right. 100%. Awesome, Jack. Well, thanks for joining us on the Addicted to Success podcast today. And uh, all the best in all your uh, future success. And we'll see you on the uh, Business Review Weekly, the, the top, uh, is it top 30? Top 100. It's the young rich. This is 100 wealthiest people in Australia under 40, all self-made. Beautiful. Nice yeah. work, mate. Nice work. Awesome. Good stuff, Joel. Great to chat to you, mate. Loved it.